Nicely done, beef. No matter how you're cooked. Grilled, sauteed, stir-fried, roasted, or stewed. Your savory sounds are music to everyone's ears. Yeah, now that's a dinner playlist. Get cooking at Beef. It's what's for dinner.com. Funded by Beef Farmers and Ranchers. Well, welcome to Sunday Coffee. If you like coffee in the late afternoon, it's got to be a decaf coffee today. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau Studios here in Startville, and bowl season is now about to be upon us. The SEC championship game last night, Alabama knocking off Georgia. And so Charlie Winfield, we find out this afternoon, we're headed to Memphis, Liberty Bowl Stadium, a place where I have been the hottest I have ever been in my life and a place I have been the coldest I have ever been in my life. And, of course, we're going to play play uh, Texas Tech in the Liberty Bowl on December the 28th. That's a 545 Central Time start, and we'll have some ticket information for you in just a moment. But, uh, Charlie, first and foremost, what are your initial thoughts? Wow. Boy, that's a tough one to take on, isn't it? I have a lot of – mixed thoughts on it when I first heard that we were going to Memphis I resisted and kept hoping well maybe we're going to Houston although I hate the day maybe we end up in Nashville even though I don't love the stadium but here's what I've decided by the way that's not a knock at our friends in Shelby or DeSoto counties or the like the area's just fine it's just that we've been there recently but then when you come back and you look ultimately it's about a football game it wasn't going to be a vacation for me anyway and so Look, it's about a game, and it's about needing a win. And I think back to that 2013 game. We play Rice up there, and it really set the tone for us coming into the next season. Dak really had a good game, and you felt a lot better coming into 2014. So for me, do I love the destination? No. I like the matchup. I think there's some intrigue playing Texas Tech and the Mike Leach connections and all those things. So I think back, Bart. What's that slogan? And we've had a lot of marketing slogans over the years. Some I like, some I don't. But what was the one, where you go, we go with you, or whatever it was? Well, I think that's kind of my attitude. Hey, our team's going to Memphis, so I'm going to go with them. Yeah, let's not spread the fun. Remember that? We put that on T-shirts. Everybody thought Dan Mullen was about to come in here and throw it all over the place. We had a little X's and O's on the T-shirts and everything, and then we get out there and run fullback dives. But anyway, that's another story for another day. Well, yeah, you got that right, Charlie. Here's the thing is we kind of knew going into that last game against Ole Miss, and we talked about it, about how big that game was, not just for the in-state rivalry, not just for the bragging rights. It was also about this time of year and how big this time of year would be for Mississippi State. You know, you win that game, you look and see Kentucky playing Iowa in the Citrus Bowl. I don't know if I want to play Iowa again. Uh, simply because I just don't care to play Iowa. You talk about vegetable lasagna. I don't know if, if that's even like – if that's tofu lasagna, to be honest with you, when you're talking about Iowa. Penn State's playing Arkansas in the Outback Bowl. You know, we're probably not going back to the Outback Bowl so quickly. You've got Texas A&M playing in the Gator Bowl. I mean, you find yourself at a high-pecking order had you won that game. But – it happened. It's over. It's done now. And like you said, you know, what's in front of you is Memphis. And that's a quick trip for all of us. It's a quick trip for people in Jackson. It's a quick trip for people in Starkville. It's a quick trip for people in Birmingham. It's a quick trip for the young alums in Nashville to come over 
and go to Liberty Bowl Stadium and watch that game. You're playing against a Texas Tech team. You know, they fired their coach after eight games this season. Matt Wells was fired. They hired the Baylor assistant coach, and they've got an interim coach right now. And, of course, you have that tie with Mike Leach, of course, the second all-time winningest coach and winning percentage at Texas Tech. So you have that storyline. But you just hit the nail on the head when you talked about, hey, wherever we're playing – that's where I'm going, and that's where you're going, simply because that's where we support our team, and that's where we're going to go. And yeah, is is it exciting as going to Florida? Uh, absolutely not. But like you said, 2013, kind of setting the tone for 14. Now we were coming off a win against Ole Miss in 2013. That was a big thing there. We were also coming off a win against Ole Miss in 2007 when we set a Liberty Bowl attendance record. And so, you know, you kind of wonder, you're coming off a loss on Thanksgiving night, what that looks like. But I think by that time, you know, it's going to be one of those deals. And that's the great thing about Memphis is two days beforehand, you know, your feelings are still a little bit hurt. You can kind of look at your significant other and say, hey, let's ride up to Memphis. And, and you can get there in a hurry. And so you're playing a, a name school in Texas Tech. We don't have a whole lot of pass with Texas Tech in football. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's not what we wanted, but it's it's not a terrible, terrible option. Well, it's not exotic, but it's accessible. And I think you're exactly right. Look, there have been plenty of times that in that bowl history in Memphis where I or my family woke up on the day of the game and said, all right, we're doing this. And we got in the car and we went. Doesn't help local tourism out that much when I promote that as a plan, I understand. But we've certainly done that before. Talk about one of the cold nights. Remember when we played Air Force? We never did tackle. What was that guy's name? The quarterback at Air Force? Was it D. Dallas? Who was it playing for them? D. Dallas was his name. 1991 was the season. And, Charlie, we talked about this a few weeks ago on Sunday Coffee. And, by the way, we're brought to you by Strange Brew Coffee House. Strange Brew, I was at Nanawaya this morning, and I actually bought some Strange Brew Coffee online, strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. I bought it. I got me a good mug. I sat out on the porch this morning. A nice little fog outside. It was a perfect morning. I drank my Strange Brew Coffee. But if you're in Startville, they've got two locations, one on University Drive, the other on Highway 12, and, of course, the location in Tupelo as well. But order that stuff. Man, you can get it. It tasted very – it was not as good as the brewistas make at the University Drive, but it was pretty close this morning. And so uh, I, I made it. I, I didn't even trust Jen to make it. But I made the coffee this morning, and it was fantastic. And, of course, I was out in Colorado a couple of weeks ago, and they had the 30th anniversary – of that 1991 team. And so, yes, you're right. D. Dallas, the quarterback at Air Force, ran all over us that night in what may have been the coldest night in the Northern Hemisphere in the history of the Northern Hemisphere. That was one I remember kind of the talk among the players that week. You know, you start to hear things locally. We really thought we were going to run the ball all over Air Force. Their defensive line averaged about 240 pounds a man. And back then they weren't defensive lines in general weren't as big as they are today. But still, you know, we were pushing 290 across the line for us. So we thought we'd be able to run all over them. And we had a package that we were going to put in where we had Todd Jordan and Sleepy Robinson both in the ball game, And all those plans just kind of fell apart on us. But that's the thing about bowl games that people talk, well, Cincinnati could beat Alabama. You know, it's one thing to beat them in the Citrus Bowl or the Music City Bowl or wherever you want to play. It's another to do it in the playoff. And I think half of the issue with bowl teams 
is who wants to show up and play? Who wants to be there? That was the thing that was so disappointing to me about the Music City Bowl back at the end of the Joe Moorhead tenure here. We showed up like we didn't want to play, and that's a game that we had declared that we want to win. And so let's go ahead and declare it right now, Bart. Sometimes you go and you say bowls don't matter. I think this one, I don't want to elevate it too high, but this is a game I'm going to care about when it gets here. It's a game I hope our staff cares about, and I hope our team shows up to play in this one because I know a lot of times people say bowls don't matter. I don't want to overstate the importance of this one, but I think to some degree how we play does matter when you're trying to kind of build a program. I think it matters. I tell you why I think it matters, Charlie, and and I don't want to, you know, I hate to be this brash with a statement, but I think we're going to be good next year. I think next year we're going to have a team with a lot of different guys coming back. You've got so much of your offense coming back. You've got a lot of your defense coming back as well. And, I mean, a lot of it depends on, you know, who goes in the transfer portal. You know, we've lost one or two here or there. You're going to lose some guys. You're going to get some guys. That's just the nature of the business in today's world of college football. Everybody's going to have attrition, especially this time of year. And you, and you kind of wonder what that looks like in bowl season as well when in today's world there are so many guys that want to hit the transfer portal and hit that eject button quickly before you get into bowl season. And so you wonder what that does to you, you know, going into bowl season, but that's another story for another day. But I think we're going to be good next year, and I think that's one of the things that was so, you know, crazy about 2013 is we kind of felt like we were going to be good in 2014. We were coming off a win against Ole Miss in 13, and then, you know, we just completely demolished Rice, just absolutely destroyed Rice, and that led into that 14 season. I think this has the ability – we always talk that cliche about this is really the first game of next year. It kind of sets the tone for next year, and I really believe that. And, you know, like I said, this is a Texas Tech team that's a name. It's a Big 12 school, and I I think it's just – Big. I mean, I, I don't think you can um, – I don't want to undersell it. don't want to oversell it. But I think, you know, I think we're going to be ready to play. I hope we're ready to play. But, you know, that's one of those things, man. Sometimes you just can't get in the head of 18 to 21-year-olds. And that's one of the good things, too, about it's the 28th. You kind of wonder, you know, it's three days after Christmas. When's the report date? You know, or is this going to be a situation where guys are in the Christmas holidays – in at the bowl game site and so there are just so many determining factors about how kids play in bowl games and you know that's one of those we just haven't had a chance to sit down yet the things we do know is you know one is we know the stadium we know the liberty bowl stadium we know where it is our tickets the mississippi state allotment of tickets is between sections 118 and 123 which is on the visitor side of the stadium which if you look at that stadium, it's, it's not a true north-south stadium. It's really on the northeast side of Liberty Bowl Stadium is the visitor side, and that's where we will be. Our tickets for Mississippi State will be 118 to 123. But when you start looking at how tickets are, you know, I think in today's world we only get like 2,000 tickets with the actual university. By the time you start taking out player parents and coaches' tickets and things of that nature, you're whittled down to 1,700, 1,600 tickets. And so the tickets through Mississippi State are $95 per ticket. Student tickets are going to be $75 per ticket. And so, you know, will this be a situation where there's probably a lot floating on the secondary market? 
Absolutely. And so, anyway, that's just the bottom line facts. I'm not telling you where to buy your tickets from or anything like that. I'm just saying that's the bottom line. It's $95 through Mississippi State in sections 118 to 123. And, of course, you had a, a pre-bowl sale, pre-sale on the bowl tickets that happened over the last few weeks. And so, you know, a lot of those tickets may be gone by now, but uh, don't fret. There are going to be plenty of tickets out there for this one. And so that's the good thing about going to Memphis is, you know, one is – you're going to have a chance to go if you want to go. And it's it's easy to get there. It's easily accessible. And the tickets are going to be easily accessible as well. All right. So I think there'll be plenty of time to look forward to the game in terms of breaking it down. Of course, when we get closer, we'll have our deep dig. Who knows what day we'll do it on. Probably not a Friday, which is our traditional day. Have to adjust with bowl season a little bit. But, you know, just at a 30,000-foot level, this is a winnable football game. It's one you know that will mean something to Mike Leach. And, um, you know, this is a team in Texas Tech. Well, they're 6-6, six and six, right? They're, they're all right. They've, their schedule is a little bit of a mystery as you look at them. They've played some games where they just didn't compete. Then they competed well in others. Look, they lost by a field goal to Baylor last week of the regular season. So it's not a – they're not a terrible team. They're an inconsistent team, I think, is the best thing I could say about them. You go and you look at their losses. Three points to Baylor. They lost by a point to Kansas State. But then, look what Texas does. Texas, of course, this is what leads to coaching changes. Texas beats them 70-35. to 35. And, Bart, I kind of hit on something right there, if I may. Well, let me I'll, – I'll give you a chance. Anything else we need to say about the Liberty Bowl before – I go on a little bit of a rant here. Oh no, I don't want to put off the rant any any at all. I mean, I, I want to hear the full fledged. Don't want to take anything from it, and don't want to knock you off kilter in any way. So I need you to you can pop your knuckles, lean back, and just say what the good Lord lays on your heart right now. What are we doing? What are we doing in college sports right now? We have a group of administrators, and it it's got to be contagious because it is spreading across the country. We're coming out of a pandemic, and in the past three weeks, we have raised the median salary for coaches at top 25, top 30 schools, or people who believe they ought to be top 25 or top 30 schools, another 3 or $4 million. It's insane. Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly, who, as you well know, I've been ready to have out of Notre Dame, and I can say that because I went there. I've been ready to have him out of there for a while. One, because I think he's a phony. Two, I don't think he wins many big games. Witness his bowl game record at the University of Notre Dame. LSU's paying him a fortune. Paying him a fortune. Now, understand, people say, why would Brian Kelly go there? Well, you go there because the last two guys were morons, and they both won national championships. There's a running ton of talent there. Why are you overpaying him? Why are you doubling what he was making at Notre Dame? It doesn't make sense. And then USC, who knows what they're actually paying Lincoln Riley, but it's a fortune. Yeah, I mean, I go back to, you know, everybody talks about Scott Woodward, and this is not me taking knocks at other administrators in the SEC, but it, it is what it is. You know, everybody talks about, you know, Scott Woodward always gets his guy. He got Jimbo to come from Florida State to Texas A&M. I mean, let me tell you this. If, if I walk into your local tax service – and I look at your accountant in the eye and say that guy's making $95,000 a year. 
And I look at him and say, let me tell you something. I'm thinking about opening up a tax office in Philadelphia, Mississippi, and I'll pay you $600,000. It doesn't matter if his dad owns the accounting firm. He's coming with me. So if you got a blank check, yeah, people will come. And so, But that doesn't make – just because you paid the most amount of money doesn't mean you're the smartest guy in the room. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure of that. And then, of course, you know, Kelly goes down and he, he sounds like, you know, all shucks partner when he gets out there on a the basketball. I mean, it's, the whole thing is a ruse. It's, it's, it's a joke of where, where it's going in college athletics. It really is. You know, Lincoln Riley going out to, you know, Lincoln Riley going to USC, as you know. I, I think it all started with Mel. And that's what's crazy is when we look back at this, was it all started with Mel Tucker? I mean, you're talking about a guy at Michigan State, and evidently they had some donors who said, hey, we're willing to kick in some extra money to help out keep Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker's a pretty good football coach. I think he's a good football coach. Is he a great football coach? I mean, the week after, you know, $90 million, he goes down to Columbus and gets the brains beat in. I mean, is he is he that elite of a football coach? And then all of a sudden, I mean, you start looking at there's one or two power agents in college football that keep on driving the price up and up and up. And here's what I've learned in college sports, man. Uh, there's a lot of people – who do not make sound fiscal decisions at all, even though they are perceived as some of the smartest guys in the room. They're just not that good when it comes to business sense. Well, and let me add to it, because I we haven't even hit the one that just really gets me going. Never mind, I don't know if you saw what Napier's getting. Napier's getting $7.5 million, something like that at Florida. But you got to go a little further south to get the one that really gets me going. The University of Miami has a football coach under contract who they have not terminated. And if rumors are to be believed and reports are to be believed by people with blue check marks and those kind of things on Twitter, they have offered the job to Mario Cristobal, who, by the way, just lost in a championship game at Oregon, at an $8.5 million. So you've got a coach. And, and you know what? I'd like to thank the University of Miami because here's what they've done. They've given the 1980s version of me a reason to come back to life and hate them again. I hated Miami. All the you stuff, I couldn't stand them. And you know what? I can't stand them again because I get it. You can't feel sorry for guys making millions of dollars, getting paid millions of dollars to leave. But at the same time, have some fundamental decency. Have some fundamental decency to say to a guy, hey, you're out. Before you go, this is Auburn back in the days when Auburn was screwing around on trying to decide if they were going to hire Petrino and all those things. Bottom line is, we are losing our minds. You know what? Here's the, here's the truth of it, okay? If you look around college football right now, there's only one Nick Saban, and it doesn't matter how much more everybody else spends, they're not getting Nick Saban. But it's like we've got this idea that if we pay more, these people will now be better. You know, I think back a couple of years ago, and they were complaining, you know, on some message boards, well, we need to pay some of our guys more. They didn't want to change. They wanted to pay the people we had more. It was like, were they going to get smarter? What are, what are we doing? And, and, and I go back to something you said. Why is the whole world reacting to Michigan State? I mean, we, we've got the tail wagging the dog here. And now, all of a sudden, everybody's having to pay more. And look, I get it. Unfortunately, if you're an athletic director right now and you've got a coach, you probably don't have much choice but to pay him a little bit more money. But I keep going back to people like Dan Mullen, 
All right, go back to last year. Dan Mullen got a raise. Look at Jimbo Fisher coming into this year gets a raise. Who's going to take them? And if they leave at that amount of money, all right, if a guy leaves you and you're paying him $7.5 million a year, can you not find somebody pretty good at that price? You know, I just wonder, and I look around the NFL, I look around Major League Baseball, it's like everybody's in this mindset of just trading around the same old guys. And now we're just paying the same old guys a lot more money, and it's lunacy. So that's my view of this whole thing. Hey, just because a guy may go doesn't mean somebody's going to take him. You know, just because some of these writers out there that are in the pockets of the agents or the agents are in their pockets or vice versa all the way around, just because they're floating names doesn't mean administrators want to take those guys. And that that's one of the things. And this it's a fascinating look over the last couple months of a season. And I think it's it's even gone even crazier now with all the midseason firings is everything has kind of escalated up. And now you start talking about guys potentially leaving in week six. But just because, you know, like you just said, where was Dan going? You know, like, like you said, where was Jimbo going? Like you said, well, you didn't say it. I'll say it. Where was, where was, where was Lane going? Lane wasn't going anywhere. I mean, who wanted him? Who was go- Do you think they're going to take Lane over Mario Cristobal? I mean, he may have been third or fourth down on the option, but that don't get you $8 million. But I, anyway, I digress. That's another story for another day, and that's not me. I mean, hey, whatever. Get what you can get. But at the end of the day, you know, college administrators, shame on you. I mean, the, the, these these are the guys. And then you wonder, okay, so have you ever been to USC, Charlie? Have you ever seen their football practice facility? It's absolutely a joke. Have you ever seen their baseball facility? It's an absolute joke. Have you ever seen any of their facilities? They're playing the Coliseum. It's a broken down place. And have you been to Miami? Miami baseball is terrible. Miami plays in a bad basketball arena. All the facilities at Miami are awful. They play in an off-site football stadium. And that's where you sit there and say, and I know Jay Billis is, there's not enough money for everybody. Of course, he's making probably $3 million a year, and I don't see him donating any of his money to student-athletes anywhere, but that's another story for another day. But that's what's so crazy is you look at these facilities where kids evidently, I'm told, hey, they make decisions based on outstanding facilities, but, man, those places have dumps that they're playing in. But, that's a, like I said, we could go down this rabbit hole all day long. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely it's, it's a crazy season without doubt. But, anyway, hey, we get to play one more of these. And I love college football. Man, last week was a great week of college football. And that's the thing about this year, which has been so fun to watch, and it kind of goes back to you talking about Nick Saban and Alabama and that dynasty and, you know, what they've been able to do, is we're playing in a league now. We're playing in college football now. And we talked about this a few weeks ago with Jay Perry where, you know, it's a situation of people are not going to be able to stockpile so much talent in today's world that you're going to have the dynasty runs that you're seeing right now, you know, 90 miles to our east. I mean, that that's just not going to happen in the, in the coming, I just don't see it. I don't see it because there's so much talent out there and it's going to be spread so thin. And so that's why I say that because you look at a Jimbo Fisher and every time he loses a game, man, is he worth $7.5 million a year? I mean, these guys are not going to go 12. Lincoln Riley is not going to get, win five national championships in a row at USC. Mario Cristobal, 
is not going to win five national championships in a row at Miami. I mean, these these guys lost recently. I mean, Mario Cristobal's Oregon team looked wretched last night. So, I mean, that's what's so crazy is you're getting mediocre coaches that are making a ton of money now, which is, hey, that's that's fine, but I just I don't understand it. Well, let me let me ask you this because I understand some people are making the case that you're not going to see the stockpiling of talent. I kind of wonder if you are. And I think it's we go back to say, why should we have an advantage in baseball over other people now, even including Vanderbilt? Because we have a fan base who's passionate about it, is willing to devote resources to it, and you have the NIL issue. All right, now we don't have the resources that many others do, but a higher percentage of our resources would be targeted to that sport as compared to other people. So now here's what I worry about with college football. Are we seeing a situation, are we about to see a situation where there are going to be 15 teams every year who can win it because they are doing two things? Number one, they're getting their players paid. And number two, they're using that, their ability to pay players to go into the transfer portal and take away players, to take away the good players from the have-nots or the mid-tier programs. I wonder if we're going to see it becoming less competitive instead of more. But I go back to a situation like at Michigan State, all right? At the end of the day, where are you, where are you paying your money? I mean, is it something that you can hold back and for players to have it in NIL, or are you just wasting money on a coach? You, you know what I'm saying? I mean – I don't. I don't know what the balance is because at the end of the day, there's and there's so so many schools that have you know different funds, and I understand that, uh, especially you know Texas and Southern Cal and the Los Angeles market, and but you know there, there's so much money. Well, pull your money together, you know, for for NIL purposes instead of paying a lackluster guy nine and a half million dollars. I am willing to do it for one million dollars. Hire me two good coordinators, buy me a bunch of players, and I'll be all right. What do you say? How's that for a sales pitch? I'll do it for two with a five-year deal, but it's all guaranteed. It's all guaranteed. No, I'll do it for a lot less than that. (laughs) Hey, but evidently all I've got to have is a good agent to walk in the door and look at an athletic director now and say, hey, hey, Bart Gregory will do it for $10 million. Sold. Oh, hey, he'll do it for he'll do it for an eight million dollar, seven million dollars. Paul sold evidently. If he if he's that going rate right there, then that gun we ought to pay for it. So, you know, the buzzwords used to be young and energetic. So I'm not sure which box you're gonna check, uh, check there, Bart. But maybe uh, middle aged and affordable. Uh, maybe that maybe we make that the new catchphrase for hiring coaches, and then we got a chance. Well, no, Charlie, I'm going to go with a common sense approach. I'm going to say I'm going to use common sense because if I'm running right tackle for eight yards every other play, you know what I'm going to run? I'm going to run off right tackle. That's the thing about me compared to other guys. One is I'm not going to embarrass your program. I'm not going to do anything stupid on the field. I'm not going to do anything stupid off the field. And I'm going to use a common sense approach to football. To be honest with you, I think that would put me in the minority in today's world of college athletics, just using common sense because a lot of common sense hasn't been being used. But I digress. That's another story for another day. You're making me feel half empty on my cup of coffee, and I'm half full. 
on my decaf coffee right now. Are we going to need a strength coach to hold your belt the whole game to act like he's keeping you off the field like Kirby Smart? Charlie, you've seen me. My belt is so tight around my waist right now, nobody could get their fingers up under the belt at all. Hey, uh, we're in the Farm Bureau studios. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Check them out at favorites.com. Farm Bureau, they have agents in every county in the state of Mississippi. Great customer service, great people, tremendous rates. So go with the home team at Farm Bureau. And so, yeah, Farm Bureau Studios, Strange Brew Coffee House. Uh, Charlie, we didn't have a Trax Plus Friday Deep Dig this week. And our good friends at Trax Plus, they've been great to us all season long. Uh, many excavators, barco equipment. If you're getting, if you're working with a forester, make sure he's got barco equipment. The forestry world is is phenomenal. It's unbelievable the equipment they have now that can just mow down a forest with mulching equipment. Of course, you don't want the big trees to mulch down. You just want to go zip through there and get all those little dogwoods and you know some sweet gums and things like that nature. They they may make that stuff mulch in a hurry. And so go but go by and see our great friends at uh, Tracks Plus. Four locations: Hickory, Mississippi; Startville and Columbus; Summit, Mississippi; and Alexandria, Louisiana. Bart, we don't talk about basketball, do we? Oh, man. Oh, um, man. Tough loss today. Uh, just just you gave up some open shots, and you got to get better defensively. And this is not me being negative in any way. And, you know, Minnesota's an unbeaten team, but that was a, a winnable game, a should have a game and a could have a game. You can't fall down 14 to nothing. Fought all the way back and had to fight back a couple of times, got it back within five. Couldn't knock it down today and losing to Minnesota at home. And that's a tough one because now all of a sudden you got to play Colorado State, you know, over in Fort Worth. And Colorado State's a pretty good basketball team. And so that that's the thing about this time of year. I mean, these are you – know, the, the Minnesotas of the world, they're going to be bubble NCAA teams or NIT teams. And playing on your floor, uh, these are games that, that, that are big for you. And today was a tough loss. I thought it showed one of the things that I've said about this team, and that is you've got players, you don't yet have a team. And that's not a knock on the coaching staff. It's just a reality of a lot of transfers are cool. A lot of very talented transfers are cool. But it's still a lot of work to fit them all together and make a team out of them. I think back to some of Richard's teams. I go back to the first one that won the SEC. And it was a situation where you had a bunch of guys that all started together as freshmen and they weren't good. Then they started together as sophomores and they were all right. And then they started together as juniors and, you know, they were pretty good. And then that last year, you know, where Cameron Burns and Greg Carter and all those guys had been around, they'd had time to play together and figure each other out. And so you beat a lot of teams who were more talented by the very fact that you had experience. Right now you have some experienced players, but they haven't figured out how to yet have experience with each other, and that's just going to take some time. And I still think this team can be pretty good. I do think, though, that this is a loss that we're going to be sitting here in March and we're going to be talking about seeding. And all of a sudden, this is the one that turns you into, like, there's the difference in a couple of these or the difference in being a five seed and being an eight seed. And, you know, that eight dime, what it means is, number one, you've got a pretty good opponent round one. Number two, you're going to see that one in the second game. And so it makes getting out of that first weekend pretty tough. So I think it's one where it's um, it's easy to say, well, it's, you know, it's December, it's not a big deal. 
but ultimately these games do matter a little bit. Now what you hope is that Minnesota goes on and has a lot of success and that you can pick up some wins between here and there. But, boy, it's one you like to have. You just you don't get out of the starting blocks. Now you saw a lot of things to like, a lot of things you didn't. Um, and I, I'm just going to be interested to see if we don't – you know, I tweeted during the game. It's one where – I'd love to see Cam Matthews playing out front defensively, kind of like the old Brandon Vincent style, and let's try to run with these guys a little bit. They don't have a lot of experience. But for whatever reason, they were hot, and, man, we just couldn't defend the way we needed to, particularly out top and from three-point range. So I don't I don't know. We don't need to get too far into that, but that's one that uh, we're going to wish we had back, I'm afraid. Yeah, and that's what kind of worries you too is, you know, Minnesota, they're an okay team. And you look at us today, I didn't think we played well. I didn't think we played well at all. And they barely beat us by five when they shot the lights out. So what does that say? Now I really worry about Minnesota. They're not going to shoot like this every night. That's what worries you about getting into Big Ten play, where you know, Wisconsin just gets out there and mauls you on the outside and doesn't give you any outside open looks. They had a bunch of open looks from the outside today and knocked those shots down. And that's what kind of worries you about Minnesota going forward is you know there are going to be a lot of nights where they don't shoot it anywhere near what they shot it today. But neither here nor there. We can't control that. All you can control what's in front of you. And uh, we didn't pass a test today, and losing 81-76 to to Minnesota. Hey, I tell you, somebody who always passes a test, Charlie, and that's our good friends at Bank First. Bank First, locations in Mississippi and Alabama. They're a growing bank. Mortgages, mortgage refinance, commercial lending, they're working on a lot of stuff right now. There's a lot of commercial sites right now that have a bank first sign out front and financing provided by. And they're great people. I mean, that's you talk about customer service a moment ago with Farm Bureau, but the great customer service of Bank First and just a great proud sponsor and a great proud partner that we have here on our Sunday coffee. All right, Bart, before we wrap this thing up, I want to know a couple of things. First, I want to know, who do you think plays in the championship game? Are we going to see a rematch of the SEC title game? I'm going to say, and uh, (laughs) call me crazy, I'm going to say it's going to be Alabama and Michigan. I think Georgia was exposed a little bit yesterday. I think Georgia beat up on, you know, and I know we're playing in the SEC and they play in the SEC and they have dominated everyone this season. But they looked slow yesterday. I mean, they looked just a step slow of Alabama. And the one thing I'll say about Michigan, you know, Michigan is a team that, that has some playmakers. Their defense is pretty good. They played well against Ohio State team who has probably the most playmakers in the Big Ten, well, without doubt the most playmakers in the Big Ten. And they're playing with confidence right now. And so you kind of wonder what yesterday does to the psyche of Georgia. Does it knock them back a little bit more? Because to be honest with you, if you're any kind of offense in the country looking at Georgia defensively, I mean, you think that they are just – the lights out the best thing you've ever seen especially on tape and they have overwhelmed team this year man they look very pedestrian yesterday and of course I think Bryce Young was just I mean he probably won a Heisman yesterday and Alabama's got some pretty good wide receivers too so you're looking at elite talent there but I'm not going to be surprised to see Alabama and Michigan playing for the championship I think Georgia's defense is really good I think they are not a complete football team and I think you go back and you talk about coaches Kirby Smart can get him in there, but it's pretty clear he still has a nemesis in Tuscaloosa, and so it'll be interesting to see. I thought the thing that was interesting to me, watching Alabama, and they were clearly happy to have won the conference, but it had a feeling almost like a team that doesn't dogpile after winning a regional. 
almost like a team that doesn't, you know, celebrate getting into a tournament. They celebrate winning it. Told somebody it looked like kind of like the Yankees winning the AL East. It's not the goal. It's not what you hang the banner for. And while they were excited, there wasn't just the sheer jubilation that I would have had out of one of the SEC. It was almost like a team who understands they've got bigger things to do. It's it's amazing what that guy does. You know, I look at his coordinators and I say, man, but man, he just keeps running them through there and he keeps winning. Look, and, and it's beyond just talent because Georgia was talented. Georgia was plenty talented, and they just got taken to the woodshed by an Alabama team. And, look, I think this guy is, you know, I, I won't even say once in a generation. He's once in several generations. What he's done at, at Alabama is just phenomenal. I remember when he was hired and listening to somebody, you know, couldn't believe they were going to pay him $2.5 million or whatever it was, maybe $4 million. You know, that's outrageous. Boy, you'd take that deal right now, wouldn't you? All the money getting thrown around to pay coaches. Just hand Nick Saban the checkbook, and uh, I think that's what he's worth. I mean, what the guy's done is just phenomenal. You know what? If they win a national championship, you know, if I'm Nick Saban, you know what I'm doing. I get on the post, I get on the podium afterwards, and I say, "Hey, I've enjoyed this. This has been a lot of fun." But the team that wants to pay me nineteen million dollars, I am yours tomorrow. Whoever wants to write me a nineteen million dollar a year check over the next five years, I tell you what, you pay me a hundred million dollars over the next five years, I don't care if it's at Auburn, I'm your guy. And I, hey, let me tell you this, it would, I, I bet, going back to the point a minute ago, there will be some athletic directors who, to themselves, are the smartest guys in the room, but they're really not that. It would be interesting to see who called. I bet somebody would call. Harbaugh might get fired on the way home. And Nick Saban, he, he may get fired on the tarmac and just go ahead and hire Nick Saban. <laughs> he might do that. Hey, it, it might surprise you. It might surprise you of who said yeah. But, uh, hey, with, with if Mel Tucker can get $10 million, if Mario Cristobal can get $9 million, if, you know, and, hey, Lincoln Riley, I mean, out, out there in the, in the West, I mean – that's the thing is, I mean, you've got a chance to have a good route to the championship because there's just not any good teams out there. And you, and you can win with L.A. talent. I mean, he's recruiting a bunch of L.A. guys and California guys to come to Oklahoma right now. I mean, you can win at USC because there's really not a whole ton of competition out there for you other than Oregon, but they're not physical at Oregon. So if you get physicality at, at USC, you can win. But if some of these other guys are, are getting what they're getting, then Nick Saban's probably worth about $18, 19000000 million a year. Oh, no question. Well, Bart, I have plenty to rant about, but we'll save some more of that. Um, One last thing I'm going to save. I'm going to just do a little bookmark here because I'm going to go on a big rant about the quarterback for Pitt who had the fake slide against Wake Forest and then goes and scores a touchdown. You know, it's been all over the Internet if you hadn't seen it. The quarterback was – running down the field. He goes as if he's going to slide. The defenders back off, and then he runs. You know what? If we're going to put rules in place to protect guys, you know, you break one of those as a defender, they throw you out for the rest of the game and half of the next one. If you're going to have those rules in place, the guys who exploit them have a special place for me, just like the guys who fake injuries. But that I will share at another date. Hey, faking injuries is the same thing. Like I just said, Fall down. You've been playing great, feeling 100%. And you just fall out, and you're holding one arm when you get up, and you're holding another arm when you're walking off the field. 
Yeah, there's a special place for, for guys like that. We'll talk about that later. Hey, Charlie, enjoyed it as always. Thanks once again to our, our great friends at Strange Brew Coffee House, Strange Brew, three locations, two in Startwell, one in Tupelo. Of course, Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Check them out at favorites.com. Tracks Plus, the place for great Barco equipment and Saney equipment. And then Bank First, our good friends at Bank First. And, of course, the Mississippi Beef Council. Mississippi Beef Council, Mississippi Beef Farmers, and their checkoff beef. It's what's for dinner. You know, beef. the beef industry is so big in the state of Mississippi. And so, hey, go eat your steak tomorrow night. Let it marinate tonight. You put it in a baggie, let it marinate, and put it on the grill tomorrow night and have you a good Monday night steak. And so, Charlie, I enjoyed it as always. For Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Sunday Coffee.